0: Software simulations are a great way to provide learners with the information about new technologies. You don't need to be afraid to create them. They just need some some pre-planning and practice. And if you do that, your simulations will be well received and they will accomplish the purposes of the organization. I would also say, always make sure that you have a seat at the table whenever new applications are being brought into the enterprise, so that you can provide that type of learning and that technology to the learners.
1: Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever you are and wherever you're watching from. My name is Matt Pierce. I'm the host of Visual Lounge, where we talk about using images and video in the workplace. Now, one of the things we're going to explore today is using video, but in a way that maybe you haven't thought about, or maybe you haven't You thought maybe it's too complicated. Maybe it doesn't seem to work in your mind, but how can you use video with simulation? So we've got a fantastic guest who's going to walk us and talk to us about how we might do that, what that might look like, and why we might want to do that. So let's go ahead and introduce our guest. Debbie Richards, president of Creative Interactive Ideas, supports talent development clients with technology challenges. She updates her job knowledge by researching new technologies and software products, participating in educational opportunities such as speaking at learning conferences and participating in professional organizations. Debbie was named one of the most influential people in corporate e-learning. Passionate about working with and mentoring other learning professionals, Debbie is a director at l Cares. The nonprofit group provides talent development professionals, no-cost coaching, mentoring, and resources to help them thrive and flourish in their careers. Debbie is the past president of the ATD Houston chapter and a past national advisor for chapters. She was ATD Technology Conference Advisory Council Chairperson for 2019. Debbie is the author of Seeing the Possibilities with Augmented Reality, an ATD TD at Work publication. She was also awarded the title of Guildmaster by the Learning Guild in 2020. And it is my privilege to welcome Debbie to the Visual Lounge. Debbie, it is a pleasure to have you here. I'm so grateful that you could make the time. I'm so happy to be here talking
0: with you today, Matt.
1: Well, Debbie, uh, I, I'm, we'll get to know you as we go. I, I've got to know you over the last several years working with you on ATD at the ATD uh, Technology uh, Committee, Advisory Committee, and other places. So I'm excited for our audience to get to know you as well. But first, let's, let's go into our, our first question. So, Debbie, I'm curious, you, you've done a lot in the industry, You're obviously, very successful as a guild master and uh, working with various organizations. I'm curious, how did you get started using video in your career?
0: Well, um, I used it at a very early time. Um, back in the early 1990s, we were using video to develop training um, for people. And we actually de- developed um, CD-ROM-based training. I don't know if, if any of your folks remember doing that, but, but we did that. Um, many of the videos were scenario-based videos where we explained how to do things in a in an environment such as a manufacturing environment. So I've used it before we used it um, on the Internet and other activities. Uh, yeah, I, I, I remember some of the CD stuff and you probably had to figure out how do you make
1: chapters? How do you get onto the disk? You're burning disk after disk after disk. Those are uh, days not forgotten, but a uh, very different world we live in today. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and we actually developed at one time, we were doing a project for camta- for um, uh, compact computers. And when we did this project, we did what we called a tribrid CD. So you were able to watch the videos on your television set using a DVD player. You were able to watch the training on your computer using the CD-ROM drive. And then you could also listen to the audio component in your car stereo. It was designed specifically for salespeople who were selling compact servers and peripherals. I had no idea uh, that that
1: was even possible to have all three on one, but that's, that's pretty cool. Well, Debbie, our next question is, we're gonna be talking later about simulations uh, and using video simulations, that, but I'm, I'm curious for you, as you look at your use of video throughout your career, what would you define? How would you define success for, for video in general?
0: Uh, well, I think success in video is, is pre planning. Um, it's making sure that you're ready before you do the video, whether it's a video interview or a software simulation, just don't sit down and start doing the video. Um, my number one tip to anybody who is, is going to be doing a video is do a little bit of pre planning, set the stage, um, have a storyboard because that will make or break your video. Yeah. I I love
1: that advice. It's, it's so easy because it's fun to jump in, right? It's fun to get started, but it definitely is not the, usually for me, it is not the best thing to do. Uh, I actually, when we were traveling for a conference this last week, I decided I was going to make a video on the road because I needed to fill in a gap for something. And, uh, I did not plan it very well and it, it didn't end up working out. No one will see that video, uh, then, then later that week, I started writing an outline. <laughs> so definitely a great piece of advice. Next question for you. What's a tip that you could give us uh, for using images or video in learning and development? Either, we've talked a lot about video already, but you could throw in images in there for you. Um, what's a tip you would like people to know about using these things for helping people to learn?
0: Well, first of all, you know, a lot of us who develop training, we work on a lot of high-end computers. I don't know about you, but I have a, you know, a really high-end laptop. I've got multiple screens, um, very large screens so that I can work in, in in different environments. And the one thing that I would say is always remember who your audience is and how they're going to view the the output, the video. Are they going to be viewing that um, in a on a smaller screen a larger screen um how how are they going to be using that because many times you develop and you look at it from your standpoint and then when the the end user or the learner looks at it, they may not be able to see everything or it might not be the 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 correct resolution for them
1: so so a question I have about that debbie is because you work with a lot of different agencies and groups the people that you're you're not you know you're not an employee. Like I, when I do stuff for TechSmith, I know the TechSmith employees. Of course, I've got our end customers as well. But I'm curious, how do you go about doing that in an effective manner, making sure that you are designing that? Are, are you just asking lots of questions to the org you're working with or do you have another kind of approach to it?
0: Yeah, uh, I always ask the org that I'm working with, first of all, what's the standard browser that you use? What's the the default resolution that most of your users Use, but never assume that everything is right. So, I typically, when I'm getting ready to start on a project, I will shoot a very small video and send it out and have several different people look at it and make sure that they could see it. I may ask them to do a screen capture so I can see what it looks like on their screen or jump on a quick meeting with them and look at it. But just make sure that, that um, what you're doing is going to work for your audience.
1: Yeah, I, I, I love that, right? Just gather the information, do the work. And then think about them, because if they can't see it. It's no it doesn't do any good.:
0: <laughs> Well, and, and some environments, you know you, when you're just doing something for the general public, you know you just work and just use industry standards if you can. But many organizations are behind the times, and they may not have the latest and greatest technologies, they may not have the latest and greatest. Uh, internet access. We have, um, I have a lot of customers in enterprise who have remote locations and we really have to make sure that we're delivering something that everybody's going to be able to see.
1: Yeah. You you get spoiled sometimes, right? When you're at home, you have, you know, high speed internet, multiple monitors, big, you know, high resolution, fast machines. And yeah, not, not everybody's uh, lucky to have all those things. So, well, Debbie, I want to move into the conversation, kind of the bulk of our conversation here. Um, and you, you approached me with this topic as as I was inviting you to come on like, hey, de- let's talk about this. And I, I was I'm fascinated by it because it's probably an area that I know less about. Uh, oftentimes I've guests on we're talking images and video and I feel I've got I can hold my own. But I want to talk about simulations. And before we go too deep, let's de- when you say the word and talk about simulations, what does that mean? Let's define that for the audience a little bit.
0: Um. So. I do a lot of of work with enterprise organizations, specifically with software simulations. And with software simulations, what you are doing is you are recreating a real-world environment and giving the learner a place where they can practice and play, maybe make mistakes that they can't make in their normal environment. So if, say, for example, you are getting ready to release a new um, HRIS system and you want to test it, you can create a simulation and you can have people try it, um, giving them the opportunity to understand and learn how to use it before the, the product launches.
1: Okay, so that, so that makes sense. So it, it, it sounds like it provides this opportunity for people to, in a safe way, they're not gonna break anything, they're not gonna bring the system down, they can, they can start to use it. Um, so it sounds like system rollouts, any
0: other kind of common use cases that you come across? Yeah. So um, they've, besides software simulations, um, you can do sales training, you can do compliance training, um, any type of thing that that you want to do. But the, the idea is, is that you can simulate something where the learner doesn't have to go to a specific location. They don't have to be able to um, have access to a specific tool. You know, they may not have login access right away. So it gives them a chance to try things and practice them. Many times we also use simulations when we're teaching because we can have people go through an application, we can show them, and then we can test them and make sure that they have proficiency before they start using the application.
1: Yeah, I I would imagine that there's um, like any place where there's high risk uh, of of something going wrong, Uh, you know, it could be in a software, maybe customer data problems or Sending things that shouldn't be sending, but also probably simulations in the real world. I used to work when I worked at the pharmaceutical place, right like of manufacturing real consequences if you messed up a procedure could get hurt or killed, or you know who knows what would happen
0: many times i've I have been in in uh, experiences where someone will be uh, in an organization will say well we're going to launch this application, and they'll go through all the the, the details of the implementation and deployment, um, making sure they have single sign-on, that they have everything set up, they have a stage environment. And then at the very end, they go, oh, and by the way, I guess we need to teach people how to use this portion <laughs> of the application. It happens all the time. And that's something else that I would just give everybody as a tip is if you know that your organization is getting ready to implement a new application or component within an application, So, for example, say you're bringing in a new performance um, um, rating system inside your learning management system, you need to get involved with that so that you can help create the training, um, the software simulations, the applications, so people know how to use the product.
1: Yeah, for sure. And so what I have a question about, though, Debbie, is, as I would imagine, if I'm an organization, and we know a lot of organizations, budgets are tight, it's, you know, it's always what we what are we going to do for training kind of comes at the end as, as a cost center. All the things they say, whether it really lines up or not. I'm curious. It, it feels like creating a simulation, something, something that someone can interact with, comes with a bit of a, a price tag. Like if you were just to say, hey, Matt, we're going to make a simulation, I would think, oh, gosh, how much is this going to run me um, compared to maybe like just creating some PDF document or something like that. So how uh, how do you balance that? And maybe I'm wrong. Am I wrong about this, that it's expensive? Or is it like there's something there that our audience should know about?
0: I don't think it's expensive. I mean, I I uh, create simulations and I create how-to videos all the time. And I know you do, too. Um, many times we do that in support. For example, if uh, someone needs to know how to get to a certain portion of an application, I may create a quick Snagit video for them and explain to them how to go through and and get to those components. Then once I've created the video, I just go in and add some prompts or some information. I mean, that's an example of a quick and simple simulation. There are some more complex ones that you can build, but I believe that there are certain things that you need to do to make sure that you are giving the learner the right type of, of explainer video or simulation um and i do have some pointers around that
1: yeah, yeah i definitely want to get to those pointers because i love that right because i hear the word simulation and to be in my own biases i thought like oh gosh there's going to be lots of interactivity and lots of things and you're going to 3d model everything right like and so i love hearing this that it could be it could be very simple and, and thank you for the Snagit plug we always appreciate that um so so let's start off kind of ground level. Is someone's starting to think about this? I, I love this idea that you need to kind of think about what it is. And, you know, there's probably the spectrum, easy, quick, not hard to put together. And then there's on the other end, there's the, probably the ones that people spend millions of dollars on that we're we're not going to probably get to. Um, so if I was coming to you, Debbie, and I said, hey, I've got the system we want to roll out, think about some simulations. Where would we even start to think about how to go about creating these?
0: Well, of course, we do the basics. So we look at what are the learning objectives we need to accomplish? You know, are there certain things that they need to understand what to do? And one of the mistakes that I'll see people do when they try to create a simulation or process of how to use an application is they'll try to do multiple processes in one video. Um, So my first tip is, is to go in and make sure that you do an outline and say, for example, you're explaining how to use an application where you're going to um, be putting information into an HR system. So, maybe one of the things is um, creating the user, updating the user profile, um, going in and creating different components like learning roles or other things, uh, employee address. All those could be separate little videos, micro videos. So, you could combine them all together. If a learner wants to go back and watch one video, they can, but don't try to do multiple processes at one time. So I start off by doing a storyboard um, and doing that outline. These are the processes that I need to accomplish. I make sure I know what the learning objectives are for each one of those processes and what their learner needs to accomplish.
1: Yeah, that's f- fantastic. So um, from from a storyboard perspective, because we people ask me all the time about storyboarding, right? And uh, they feel like, oh, it's so much work. What, what does your storyboard look like, Debbie? Are you like sketching
0: things out, or is it something less than that? I am not. So <laughs> for a software simulation basically what I'm doing is I'm going through the application myself step by step and then just writing down the task. So for example, let's say you want to teach somebody how to do a um, spell check in Word. So you would open up the document, you would have some text typed in, you'd go up, um, you'd find the application, the tools to to check the spelling, you Hit it, you know, so there might be five or six steps that are in there. So I just I write down those steps that are that are crucial, making sure I, I also look back at my learning objectives to to make sure that I'm covering all the important points in that. So just the simple steps that we need to do. Now, then I go back and I test that to make sure that that those steps are correct. Um, I may go in and add some extra things in my storyboard, like if there's some note that I want to add to it um, to give somebody some extra information or something, I may jot those down as well. But it doesn't have to be a real complex uh, graphical design or anything. What's real important with software simulations is that you get the steps right and you get them in the right order.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think sometimes we overthink our storyboards for sure. So, So, Debbie, okay, so we've got this, we've got you know, we've identified kind of what what it is we're going to cover. We've got our objectives, we've got our storyboard. What what What's the next step in your process and what advice would you give us on that?
0: Yeah. So this is one of the things that I see over and over again. And, and one of the most important things is to set the stage. So make sure that when you are doing a simulation that you are in, number one, an environment where it doesn't have real data or that you have Data that um, that that um, is not going to impact somebody or some someplace. Uh, I usually use a sandbox if I can, um, but it want you want to make sure it's realistic as as possible. Then you also want to make sure that you are logged in as the user that is going to use a simulation. So, for example, in that HRS um, simulation, I wouldn't log in as an administrator or. Um, If I'm doing a a learner view or a user view, I would want to have a login for a user view. If I'm teaching something to a manager, then I would want to have a manager view. Because because what's really important is that the learner is going to see all those icons and all those things on the screen. And if it's not something that they have access to, they're going to be confused and they're going to have questions. So make sure that you're not using real life data, make sure you're logging in as the person um, that you're, you know, view that you're trying to train, their profile view, Um, and then make sure that that you understand the tasks and you've tested those out in that view. So uh, I'll see that too, if somebody will test out something in the admin view, then they'll log out and log in as the learner, they'll go to start the simulation, and the steps are different. So make sure that you have all of those things set up for the person being trained. Yeah, I, I love that. So,
1: okay, so we've we've done this. Now, it sounds like you are doing some amount of screen recording as you're, once you get to build, right? You're, you're doing screen recording. I guess what else goes into making, you, you kind of done all the prep, are you screen record, are you doing screenshots? What What other kind of assets are you gathering together Uh, And I love the data tip, by the way, because that's one that I think is easily overlooked. It's like, oh, no big deal. I'll just use real data. Well, in this environment, personal identifying information is a big no-no. There's lots of things you don't want to share, so that makes a lot of sense. But uh, give us your insights, Debbie. Where do we go in terms of actually the, now that we want to record or build or make this simulation?
0: So I, um, before you do the live simulation in the final cut, you're going to rehearse a couple of times mm-hmm. um, to make sure that you've got the storyboard right, that you've got the steps right, that you can actually move the mouse um, in a clear and concise manner. That's one thing that I've seen that people um, they'll they'll go to um, uh, to do the simulation, and a lot of times I include the mouse movement in my simulations because I want the learner to see where I'm clicking and what I'm doing. And I know in Camtasia and other programs, you can put that in later. But but if you're doing it, you need to be very concise in your movements and what you're doing. So rehearse it a few times and then reset the stage because it has to go back to the way it was before you did whatever it is that you're doing in your rehearsal. So if you added a user and you've got all this information that's in there, you need to wipe all that out and reset it. So that when you do the actual simulation that's going to be recorded that you've got you don't have all that information in there. so you go through that um, and then I also uh, record and then go look at everything to make sure that it looks right, make sure everything's visible, um check my screen resolution um, and then um, just making sure that 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 it's going to to be a smooth and a uh, refined simulation. Now this may seem like a lot of steps, but once you start doing this and you work it into a habit, it really isn't. Um, I have a little checklist, you know, we all have checklists for things that we do. I have a checklist for recording simulations and those are some of the things on my checklist.
1: Yeah, well, I I love your point about watching to make sure things are in the recording, right? I, I can't tell you the number of times I've recorded something and um, it's like a right click menu. And I'm recording, you know, the the entire interface and then the right click menu pops down below and out mm-hmm. of the recording. It's just one of those things. And, and you don't think about it during the process. But then when you go back and watch, you're like, mm, I can't see <laughs> what the menu was. And so that's a that's a that's a you can tell you're an expert because that's one of those things that is a gotcha, right? It gets people all the
0: time if you haven't been doing a lot. One other thing that I wanted to say is um, I don't know about you, but. I um, when I'm recording simulation and I'm trying to maneuver everything, I'm concentrating on that. I don't record audio at that time. I put the audio in later because I can't do two things at one time and do it right. Um, uh, now, uh, one of the things I will do is when I'm when I'm moving through the application and I'm demonstrating that I put pauses in there too, so that I can go back and add prompts and add other things in what I'm doing. It feels a little quirky and awkward, but it really works out in the post editing. Well, I, that's an interesting
1: thing. So I would, I, my approach is actually slightly different where you're recording posts, and here's the great thing about these processes, right? It's like, what works for you is I usually <laughs> record, I like to record audio first. So I have it kind of all laid out. I know exactly what's going to be said. I've gone through the steps, practice, whatever. Uh, But then I can still need to leave pauses in because here, inevitably something will load slowly, right? I'll switch from one screen to the next and it'll take longer than I'd planned. And so you just got to kind of be patient, learn to cut those things out, learn to, to add in, you know, if you need a little extra time, there's always freeze frame. You can, can extend it. So those, those are, are really good. So, Okay, so you've recorded, you got it all there, and then you're done, right? That's all there is to this. <laughs>
0: or or there more, Debbie? You know, um, the, before, you, um, before you give it out to everybody, um, you want to make sure that you've tested to make sure it's free of errors, that everything is the, the way you want it. I do a little bit of post-editing like you know anybody else. Um, I'll go in and um, I'll send it out and, and ask for feedback as well. Now, uh, this, this, the first simulation that, that we're talking about here is just a show me type simulation where you're just going in and showing somebody how to do something. But there are times when I want to create a simulation that's interactive. So there are different kinds of, of those simulations. You've probably heard of the, the uh, watch me, um, let me try, test me type simulations. So there are those kind of simulations that you can create for software. Um, you know, so you can, you can go in and, and, um, combine some of those together, like the guide me and let me try can com- combine, like you can provide minimal guidance as they're going through that and then provide feedback as they're going through everything. Um, and then, um, what I'll do sometimes is if they're, when I'm providing that feedback, I'll say something like, um, uh, that's not right or try again or finally give them the the right answer Um, and then I can do an assess me where I test their knowledge of of are they going through and clicking in the right area are they typing in what they should be doing all those kinds of things so you can you can do those type of simulations as well and they're quite effective but I feel like if you're going to do those kind of assessment those uh, simulations that you need to plan for those up front um, to make sure that that everything that you're doing is going to, to work effectively.
1: Yeah. So I, I, I'm curious, Debbie, as, as, you know, you're going out to build, maybe you want something that's a little bit more interactive. Um, how are you making that, like that decision when it, when does it like, is that just show me good enough versus like a, uh, getting something where you're going to maybe go to assess an assessment level, or you're just going to, you want them to practice those steps with the simulation um, like if, you know, again, thinking kind of through that decision tree, what, what are the things that you think about that, that cause you to maybe push from simple to a little bit more complex? Because that's, you know, it's going to take more time to build. it's going to cost a little bit more for the, for the client, for you. Um, it's also a bigger commitment for the learner. So what are your thoughts about when you make that transition?
0: Yeah, I think it comes back to learning objectives. You know, what are the objectives for the simulation? And sometimes I will talk to subject matter experts to find out what their pain points are. So you may have a bunch of uh, HR people that are screaming and saying, these people, these managers never put this information in right, you know, and that's why this isn't working. Garbage in, garbage out. So um, that a lot of times that's what dictates the level of interactivity in, in the applications that we build. Um, if it's something that's very complex and they have to make some sort of decision um, and and you have a, a, a situation where depending on what they choose, it's going to branch out into something else that's more complex, then that may be something where you want to to have them go through and, and interact. And if it's something that requires um, um, an effort and may cost the company money if they don't do it correctly. Like if you're teaching them how to to create an electronic purchase order or something else, then and and you really need to make sure that they're competent and they understand what they're doing before they start using the application. In those cases, you may want to have an assessment or a or some way to to gauge whether or not the learner is is really learning it. And I'm going to tell you something that's really interesting. So. One time we were creating a software simulation and we, we wanted to do an assessment. And it was one of those situations where this application had been custom um, built. They had gone in and they'd set up all these prompts and this information, and they were now trying to have us go through and test it. So we we're going through and we we're explaining how that, that you had to do this input on this, on this system. So we were going in and adding some pieces. And so I'm teaching it and I'm going, well, first of all, you're going to input this information in this first field and then the information in the second field. Then you're going to slide all the way to the end of the page and slide a little bit more because the the third field that you're going to enter in is way on this other side. Now, once you enter that third field, you're going to slide all the way back because then you're going to enter this information here. So I I thought that was kind of cumbersome, and you probably will, you know, from a a (laughs) user experience. So I created this piece and I sent it back to the team and I said, okay, I have listened to the subject matter expert. I've built this training out. What do you think? And their response was, I think we need to go back and see if we can maybe change up this user experience and move that field that's way on that other side over close to the other two. So that was just one of those accidental things that happened. But you'd be surprised at how many times that that does happen um, because um, the people who are building the applications, and I'm not trying to slam all those people, but sometimes they don't really talk to uh, user experience folks or learning folks about it, and and we discover that when we're creating simulations.
1: Yeah, what a great way to point out that that issue, right? Because that's a real thing that happens, and sometimes when you build something, you're not thinking about the the end experience. So that's that's a great story. I I I love that story because it's so indicative of sometimes what these things, when particularly when you're thinking about like si- simulations, can can bring up. I, I'm curious. Uh, Debbie, and we don't need to go heavy into this because uh, you know, but I'm curious because I'm I know somebody else are like, well, okay, you talked about making video, uh, but I, I know there's a lot of tools out there to make simulations. And, you know, uh some of them like I probably articulate, captivate, uh, Lectura. There's probably others out there uh from a learning perspective. I'm curious when when you're making those, are you are you bringing video into those as well when it's really meant to be super interactive or is it really using the, whatever those other tools are bringing to to allow that, maybe whether it's typing or clicking or whatever interactions are desi- you're designing for?
0: Yeah, um, it depends. You know, um, sometimes you will bring in video, like if you're explaining something and you, and, and you want to showcase uh, an exception. So if you want to show something that may be done incorrectly or something, um, I'll use video to explain that. So I'll be in the simulation and I'll say, um, here's an example of something that you could consider um, and and the consequences. And so I'll have them click a button and then they'll they'll watch the little video of that other component. But just as an explainer piece, I may not have them actually go through that. But video is a great way to showcase something else that you don't necessarily want them to do, but you want them to know about.
1: Yeah, I can imagine uh, using it to maybe illustrate if you do this wrong, here's the consequences, right? Like mm-hmm. <laughs> make them aware uh, so they don't have to get curious about <laughs> what they can do wrong. So well, I love that. Well, Debbie, as we, we kind of get closer to time and I want to get into our speed round questions, any other advice, tips, uh, information you want people to know out there about using videos and simulations?
0: Um, I just feel like they're a great way to uh, give learners the experience before they start using the tool and to give them the confidence to go in and use the tool. It's in such an important part of the implementation and deployment process for new technology. Um, and they need to step up to the plate and make sure that the people who are Um, bringing the new technology to the organization, understand the role that L&D can play. I love it. All right, Debbie, we're going to go into our speed round
1: questions. For those who haven't listened to the show, this is where uh, we have quick questions with quick answers, not one word answers, but short answers. And we are going to roll a die, 12-sided die to determine which questions we're going to ask. So let's jump into our speed round. Okay, so I'm going to bring up our, our dice cam here. It's a little a little wonky, so I'm just adjusting here. So we're going to roll and get our... A three. So question number three. So Debbie, what is one thing that you are most proud of in
0: your career? Oh, I think the thing that I'm most proud of in my career is my opportunity and pleasure to help my community, um, I've served twice on the board of, of directors as president for my local ATD chapter, and just seeing our community grow and people blossom to me um, is is wonderful. Yeah, and
1: you are such a how do I say this? You are so gracious and so helpful. I I have I am a beneficiary of your your goodness and your help, and so everyone. I, I wish everyone could get to know you. If they, they have a chance, they should go and hear you speak. They should go connect with you because you are, are wonderful. So let's go ahead and bring up our dice cam again. We're going to get rid of that number three here. Let's roll again. Here we go. Oh, we're going to go to question number 10, which is, Debbie, you, you're you a guild master. You have uh, ch- multiple presidencies in, in your ATD chapter. You've sat on the uh, chair of the ATD PAC committee. What's next
0: for you? Um, I'm really concentrating on mentoring and coaching this year. I'm on the board of directors for an association called L&D Cares, and we are working to help our community um, build more of a network and to help those that were displaced by the pandemic. Um, I'm at the, the time in my career where that I'm all about the mentoring and coaching. And
1: I'm sure you're a fantastic mentor and coach, so... Uh... Okay, let's do let's do one more, Debbie. You ready? Here we go. Okay, next die roll is a six. So number six. Ooh, this is a tough one. If you could be a hero in any story, who would you choose, and why?
0: Oh, that's a tough. That's a tough person. That's a tough one. Um, well, I'll just tell you. As a little girl, I started collecting books on the Aetherian legend. So, I absolutely love King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table. And I think if I could be anybody, I would want to be one of the Knights of the Round Table. Um, I think I would like to be Lancelot. Yeah, I love
1: that. Yeah, but, but, you know, uh, a woman handing a sword out of a lake to someone does not make a good system of government. Uh, but, but that's for another time. I love that though. I, I love that that's, it's, uh, it's such, it is a great, there's so many great stories and kind of things that you can pull off of the Arthurian legend. So fantastic. Well, Debbie, this has been wonderful to talk with you. Before we go to our final take, uh, how can people connect with you, reach out to you? Uh, where should they go and where should they look?
0: Yes. So I, um, the best way to reach me is through LinkedIn. Um, you can find me out there, Debbie Richards, um my handle is creative C R E eight I V E I I. You can find me on Twitter there uh, occasionally. Um I'm very active uh on on LinkedIn and my friends that know me on Facebook and Instagram know that I post a lot of pictures of food and sometimes Pez. <laughs> but which is also
1: technically, I mean, some part of it is food, so it works. <laughs> Well, well, Debbie, this has been wonderful to talk to you about using video and simulations. As we, as we like to wrap up, we just like to, to hear that final take. So, Debbie, what's your final take for today's show?
0: Yes. Um, software simulations are a great way to provide learners with the information about new technologies. You don't need to be afraid to create them. They just need some, some pre-planning and practice. And if you do that, your simulations will be well-received and they will accomplish the purposes of the organization. I would also say, always make sure that you have a seat at the table whenever new applications are being brought into the enterprise so that you can provide that type of learning and that technology to the learners.
1: Well said, well said. Debbie, thank you again so much for joining me here in the Visual Lounge. Thank you, Matt. All right, everyone, go check out and connect with Debbie. She is fantastic. There is not enough good things I can say about her because she really is wonderful. One opportunity that may be coming up, uh, if you're past this day in early June, you're going to miss it, but a learning dev camp in Salt Lake City. Debbie is going to be a keynote, and guess what? Me too. So both of us, you can go join us. It's a fantastic event. It's small. It's intimate. It's a great place to get to know other learning and development professionals. So we'd love to have you check that out. But also, we'd love that you're here listening to the show. So please go ahead and like, subscribe, leave a rating on the Apple podcast or wherever your podcast listening takes you. So that way that benefits us, we can know that you're getting value from the show. As we always wrap up, we'd like to just remind you that the goal of all this is to get better. We want you to learn. We want you to develop. We want you to grow. So take a little time to level up every single day. Thanks, everybody.